Hello and welcome to another edition of ICJ webinar series. Uh, good morning to those from America. Good uh, afternoon to those in Asia and uh, a nice uh, early afternoon to those in our time zone, which is Jerusalem. Can you hear me well? I hope so. Uh, my name is Moine Kos. I serve as Vice President for International Affairs in ICJ Jerusalem. And uh, I would like to thank in advance to our translators. Uh, the whole team is uh, ready to translate for you into six languages. Uh, besides English, you can tune into Chinese, French, Portuguese, Spanish, or Thai language which is wonderful and uh, well, we should really be thankful to all those uh, interpreters who are uh, helping us to bring the message across. So I greet you from Jerusalem on this first day of September. Uh, this is the beginning of the month in our uh, usual calendar. But we are going to speak about dates uh, from another perspective this time, uh, namely from uh, the perspective of the Hebrew calendar. And uh, the title of this message today is The Significance of Rosh Chodesh. Uh, these Hebrew words uh, mean nothing else than simply a new moon. And a new moon is uh, something that we can find in the Bible. And uh, I would like to explain uh, a little bit about what it actually means uh, uh, from the biblical point of view. Now, for those of you who are uh, familiar with ICJ, uh, you have noticed that the words Rosh Chodesh have become a, a household name over the last two years here at ICJ, because it is under this title that uh, we are organizing a prayer chain every month. We started during the COVID pandemic when uh, we were all forced to move online uh, with a simple 12-hour prayer chain. And uh, it has met uh, with significant uh, uh, success and interest so that this prayer chain, uh, which starts at the beginning of each Hebrew month, has been growing and growing and growing. And thanks to Joshua and Anastasia uh, Gooding, who are managing this, we are now, uh, uh, actually today, we are in the midst of this uh, uh, prayer chain for the current month of Elul, and uh, we have grown over 200 hours. And uh, the goal, which uh, is going to be attained soon, I believe, is to start a 24-7 uninterrupted prayer chain, uh, praying for Israel and the nations from Jerusalem, but also from all around the world. And that's uh, something uh, really remarkable, something which uh, is uh, made possible through technology today. And uh, in each of these uh, Rosh Chodesh prayer chains, uh, Christians, uh, groups, churches are joining us from literally all continents. Uh, we have uh, uh, some record-breaking countries like the Philippines, uh, which uh, are uh, supplying dozens of hours of prayer and worship into this global network. 
but we have also uh, countries in Africa, in Asia, in America, in the Pacific Islands, they can all participate in this global initiative. And uh, I can uh, also recommend to you, if you have not yet done it, uh, you can simply ask at the ICJ head office and uh, you can join the next uh, prayer chain uh, starting at the beginning of next month. But let's look currently at what uh, the new moon or Rosh Hashanah actually means in the Bible. We will find that it is often mentioned together with other more uh, well-known uh, dates or feasts like Pesach, Passover, Shavuot, or Pentecost, or Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, together with uh, the new moons, these times are called Mo'adim, uh, which can be translated as appointed times. The picture is as if God makes an appointment with his people, uh, he sets apart certain date and he says he will be there. He will come to the meeting. He will be listening. He will accept our prayers. So a moed in Hebrew is a time of drawing near to God. Well, that is a Jewish tradition. And of course, we as Christians know that God listens at all times, whenever two or three are gathered in his name, he is there and listens to our prayers, which is an awesome privilege. And uh, we are indeed encouraged in the New Testament to pray without ceasing. Uh, at the same time, we can draw uh, inspiration from the uh, Jewish tradition, from the good olive tree, uh, which nurtures us through the, the good sap, as uh, Apostle Paul says. And we can also use this concept of appointed times and uh, try to see if there are some lessons which uh, we can take and which uh, can enhance our spiritual life. So let us start by uh, what I would call a definition of Rosh Chodesh, as we find it in, uh, in the Bible. Uh, you can open with me uh, Numbers chapter 10, verse 10. It's Numbers 10, 10, where we find the following text. Also in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feasts, these are the Moadim, and at the beginning of your months, these are Rosh Chodesh, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over your sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. Well, this is part of the Torah, part of the instructions about uh, different sacrifices and about how to properly come before the Lord. And the, the new moon, along with uh, the other feasts, is mentioned here, and it is called a day of gladness. So that's the first thing to remember. It is a, it is a festival. It is a party. It is a time of rejoicing. Now, uh, both the new moon and the feasts like Pesach and Shavuot they are based on the lunar calendar. Passover and, Shavu and, uh, and Sukkot, they come on the 15th of the lunar month, which is nothing else but the, 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 the full moon. The full moon uh, comes in the midst of the month and the new moon, Rosh Chodesh, comes at the beginning when there is hardly anything seen on, uh, on the sky. And uh, the characteristics uh, of these festivals, as I said, are joy, gladness, blowing the trumpet, 
offering sacrifices. And uh, the peace offering, which is mentioned here, is simply a party. Uh, you can imagine a, a like a birthday party, uh, people come together, eat and drink and are, are joyful together. Uh, by the way, eating in public uh, in ancient times always had the connotation of a religious act. Food was dedicated to some god, and uh, we find a, re a reflection of that in the New Testament when Paul writes to Corinthians uh, and answers the questions if they can eat meat sacrificed to idols. The context was that they may have been invited to a party and the, the meat there was sacrificed to some god. So uh, Paul is explaining that. And it, it just shows that this was a common practice. And uh, the Bible prescribes the right order of uh, eating together, of, of offering peace offerings, uh, eating in front of the Lord and giving uh, the thanks that belong to him. And uh, we also know that the, the time of uh, eating together could become a, a uh, danger of idolatry. We just can think about the, uh, uh, the uh, golden calf uh, around which the Israelites assembled and ate and drank, but uh, in, a, in an improper way. So this whole uh, passage from uh, Numbers, from the Torah, explains how to uh, eat and drink and have a party in a proper way. We can find some examples of uh, these types of celebration and especially of the new moon celebrations. Uh, for instance, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, that is the story of David and Jonathan at the time when King Saul uh, sought to kill David. David served at that time as his chief of staff, but Saul, uh, began to fear David's popularity and wanted to kill him. And uh, in that chapter, we can uh, read how a new moon celebration, a Rosh Chodesh celebration approached and uh, the king threw a party on that day. Now, David was absent under the pretext that he went home to celebrate with his family. So there would be another party going on at the same time because it's Rosh Chodesh, but in his family. Uh, and then he uh, was hiding in the field and Jonathan gave him a sign by shooting arrows in the field so that David uh, actually knew that he had to flee. So, but the context is that it all happened during a Rosh Kodesh party or celebration. So this is an example of how this day of gladness uh, may have looked like. People coming together, eating and drinking and thanking God. And the same thing is also true for the big festivals like Passover and Sukkot. Again, this is a celebration. People come together, eat and drink, and are happy. And, uh, you know, there is usually a message connected to, to food and drink. Just remember the unleavened bread, uh, which is uh, eaten at Passover, or the four cups of wine. That is actually the the basis for our communion, bread and wine. This is where it came from. So it's a very old Jewish custom. Now, uh, there's another uh, festive day which is mentioned along with Rosh Chodesh in this passage from uh, the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, I'm reading from Ezekiel chapter 46, verse 1. 
The gateway of the inner court that faces toward the east shall be shut for six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. This is a description of the uh, final temple. And again, we find here something which connects Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat. Shabbat and new moon are mentioned here in one sentence. They are on the same level. Uh, so Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, and feasts are all special times, appointed times, times set apart by God. Uh, now, when it comes to measuring time, it's uh, quite interesting to note that the Jewish method is actually following two different models, two different patterns, the solar system and the lunar system. And that's because God in the beginning chose sun and the moon as signs for mankind, as signs uh, which signify these special times. Now, with the sun, it's easier. The sun rises every day, and the Shabbat is tied to the solar system. It comes every seven days with complete regularity. And uh, actually, we can say that the whole world owes this concept to the Jews. You know, the idea of resting once in seven days has uh, spread all over the world through the church, even though Christians at a certain point of time, move the day of rest from Saturday to Sunday, but they still keep the seven-day pattern. And now we can say that the whole world operates on this seven-day week. There were a few attempts, like the French revolutionaries who attempted to change the calendar. They in invented new names of months and invented a 10-day week, but it has not uh, uh, been successful. So the seven-day pattern with Shabbat as a day of rest is actually a sign from God. And we see that it is through the Jewish people and through the church, it has gained worldwide acceptance today. Now the lunar calendar is different. Rosh Chodesh falls each time on a different day of the week because the moon does not keep the same pattern as the sun. So we have this experience. Sometimes the Rosh Chodesh starts on a Tuesday, sometimes on a Friday, sometimes on a Sunday. And uh, that can create some difficulties for us who are accustomed to this uh, solar cycle. Seven days, each day is the same. But you cannot say that uh, the new moon or the Passover for that matter would always happen on a Wednesday or on a Friday. Uh, it's different in each year. and uh, Actually, we know uh, the concept of a movable feast, uh, even from the Christian way we celebrate Easter, because it is also tied to the, the lunar uh, calendar. Only Christians fix the celebrations so that the uh, first day is always on Friday, the, the Good Friday, and then the resurrection day is always the Sunday. Uh, but in Jewish tradition, that can move in any way and can fall on any uh, day of the week. And here we, in the ICJ, we're also quite well aware of the changing uh, pattern of uh, the lunar cycle because the Feast of Tabernacles, the biggest uh, event that we organize, we have been doing that for more than 40 years, that falls on a different day in the week each year. 
And sometimes that can create very interesting combinations because the Shabbat is always the Shabbat. It's always Saturday. But the first day of Sukkot can be any day. And uh, so in, in this uh, interplay, uh, we have to respect that and we have to plan accordingly. So Rosh Chodesh, as I'm showing uh, here, is uh, similar in, uh, in importance than Shabbat, Shabbat and the feast. Uh, the feast of the Lord. It is the time of drawing near to God. It is the appointed time. It is a time of blowing of the trumpet of Shofar. Now, these celebrations take place every month and simply remind people of the lunar calendar. When there were no calendars uh, readily available uh, in the internet, in the ancient times, Rosh Chodesh was quite important because how can you uh, determine when is the full moon. You have to know when the moon starts, when the Rosh Hodesh is. So therefore, Rosh Hodesh has been an important part of the Jewish tradition. Now, today in Israel, Rosh Hodesh is not uh, a holiday. It's not even a day of rest like Shabbat. Uh, it falls unless it is on Saturday. It, it's just a normal working day. Uh, only in synagogues, there are special services. And uh, in the Siddur, in the prayer book, some special prayers are added to the usual daily prayers. But let us look at some of the aspects of, of Rosh Chodesh as we find it in the Bible. One of them, and it turns out to be quite important, is the blowing of the trumpet. Why? Why to blow the shofar? The scripture mentions an interesting reason. It says it should be a memorial in Hebrew, zikaron, a memorial for you. And uh, it's quite interesting to take a look at this word as it appears in several uh, scriptures. Uh, if you look up the word zikaron in Hebrew Bible uh, and read the different stories, you will quickly get the feeling of something, you know, almost ominous. Listen to a few stories which are connected to this concept. Exodus 17, verse 14. The Lord says to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, as a zikaron, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Now, the context here is the battle with Amalek, uh, which is a, a type of a very cruel massacre of the weak and children and women. And it was, uh, I would say, an encounter um, of the, with the Jewish people with the spirit of anti-Semitism. And uh, it is so important to remember that God actually ordered that this should be a zikaron for you. This should be something that you remember. Uh, I would say that in modern Israel, in modern history, uh, in Israel, that is a day of remembering the Holocaust, the Yom HaShoah, and that's a very similar concept, remembering a tragedy. Let's look at another instance of um, uh, the Zikaron. Uh, we find it in Numbers chapter 5, verse 15. If feelings of jealousy come over her husband and he suspects his wife and she is impure, or if he is jealous and suspects her, even though she is not impure, then he is to take his wife to the priest, 
He must also take an offering of a tenth of an ephah of barley flour on her behalf. He must not pour olive oil on it or put incense on it because it is a grain offering for jealousy. A, a reminder offering, a zikaron, to draw attention to wrongdoing. Now here, again, this is a portion from the law uh, dealing with a jealous husband and what, what he should do if he has uh, any suspicion of his wife. Now, that particular offering that the person is to bring is again called zikaron. And the Bible says that the purpose of the zikaron is to draw attention to wrongdoing. Another example, it's again in Numbers chapter 16, verses 39 and 40. Eleazar the priest took the bronze censers which those who were burned up had presented. And they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial, a zikaron, to the children of Israel. But no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. Now here again, the context is the aftermath of one of the most dangerous events that occurred during the 40 years of the Israelites wandering in the desert. It is known as the rebellion of Korah. And Korah uh, was a very shrewd politician who almost succeeded in overthrowing Moses. And he wanted to lead the Israelites back to Egypt. Korah was a Levite, but he allied himself with Dathan and Abiram from the tribe of Reuben and they contested Moses' leadership. And uh, they agreed to a test proposed by Moses, which was meant to show on whose side the Lord is. And as a result of that test, a fire came out from the Lord and consumed 250 men who were offering incense. Now these burnt censers are set to become another zikaron, uh, a memorial to the children of Israel. So again, this is something which reminds them of a very serious event in the history. And the final example, Numbers uh, chapter 31, verses verse 54, Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from the captains of thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tabernacle of meeting as a memorial, a zikaron, for the children of Israel before the Lord. So here again, we hear that something is brought as a zikaron for the children of Israel. What should they remember this time? Uh, this was the result of a fierce battle against the Midianites. And uh, that signifies the end of the story of Balaam, the ancient prophet who had been sent to curse Israel. And we know that he couldn't curse what God blessed. But later he gave advice to the Midianites and their women seduced Israel to idolatry. But he didn't end well and the vengeance was completed at this battle. And uh, within the framework of that battle, the gold taken from the spoil was to be set aside as a zikaron. Again, remembering how the Israelites were seduced and uh, again, remembering something that uh, they should learn from. So, what would you say is the meaning of the word zikaron, remembrance, which is the prominent word 
and a theme word for every Rosh Chodesh. It seems that it is meant to draw attention to wrongdoing, to remember a catastrophe, to remember something uh, from which one should learn, to learn a lesson from history. And uh, I believe that, uh, as I already said, in the modern state of Israel, there are such dates like uh, Yom HaShoah or Yom HaZikaron, uh, when they commemorate the fallen, and that serves as a, a similar, similar purpose. So, and I would say this is something that we can all learn from. We should remember and hopefully learn from our mistakes. But there's also another possibility to understand the word zikaron. The, the phrase memorial before the Lord can also mean that we ask God to remember us in the sense uh, as the prophet Habakkuk prays in Lord in wrath, remember mercy. And uh, we can find this expression of trust in the Lord, especially in difficult times in many scriptures. Again, a few examples where this remembering takes on this meaning of uh, trusting the Lord, turning to the Lord. In Exodus 32, verses 12 and 13, that is after the sin with the golden calf, when Moses came down from the mountain, broke the tablets, and then intercedes for uh, the people of Israel. And he prays the following prayer. Turn your fierce wrath, turn from your fierce wrath, and relent from this harm to your people. Remember, Lord, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants. Moses invokes the covenants that God made with the forefathers and reminds him to remember those covenants. And of course, God would do it and he would uh, hear such a prayer. And in a similar way, we can find many instances. For instance, in the book of Psalms, there are uh, scriptures which are actually expressions of calling for God's mercy. Let me quote a few of them. Psalm 74, verse 2. Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, the tribe of your inheritance, which you have redeemed, this Mount Zion, where you have dwelt. Psalm 89, 51. Remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples. Psalm 119, verse 49. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. So when we are calling uh, on God to remember, we remind him of his own word, of his covenants. And that is the cause for our hope. And this is a good thing to do. This is a good thing to call upon God because he is faithful. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He will remember his covenant. He will remember his word and he will act on it. So that's a good good way uh, when we want to intercede, call upon God and remember uh, and call him to remember his mercy. And I believe this is also the meaning of the commandment which we find in Exodus 39 verse 7 uh, uh, which deals about the high priest's breastplate. Let's look at this. They mounted the onyx stones in gold filigree settings and engraved them like a seal with the names of the sons of Israel. Then they fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as the memorial stones, again, the garon, 
is the word here, as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, picture the high priest who wears the ephod, and he literally brings the son of Israel before the Lord. He carries them on his shoulders with all their sins, with all the wrongdoing, with all the imperfection. And he cries out, Lord, remember mercy. This is the zikaron on uh, the, the breath, breastplate of the high priest. So, again, when we ask God to remember his mercy, we show that we don't trust in our ability, in our deeds, but we do trust and we do rely on God's mercy because that is the very character of God. And this theme of Zikaron, of remembering and of uh, experiencing the mercy of God comes out very prominently at the biggest Rosh Chodesh, the biggest of all the new moons, that is, which uh, is the first day of Tishri, the day of trumpets, which is also called Yom HaZikaron, the day of remembrance. And it is also known as uh, Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, which shall be the subject of uh, our webinar next week and which is coming soon um, in a few weeks from now, the beginning of the month of Tishri. Now, I would like to turn to yet another aspect of Rosh Chodesh, which must be mentioned for the picture to be complete. In the prophetic books, we find many critical passages. A typical one is found at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, quoting from chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons, the Rosh Chodesh, your appointed feasts, your Moadim, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I'm weary of bearing them. Now, isn't this strange? It, it seems like a contradiction. Uh, after all, the Lord has appointed these feasts in the first place. So why this? Has he changed his mind? What's, what's the problem? What's the point here? Now, we have to understand that this is a typical sign of the prophetic books of the Bible. They point the people to the proper meaning of these festivals. Uh, in other words, they point to the heart. The attitude of the heart is what the Lord uh, is looking for. And the problem is that some of these rituals can become empty. They can become just outward religious acts uh, without achieving the originally intended purpose, which is to draw near to God. You know, dead religion always substitutes living faith with external rituals. And uh, after all, external things, they are, are easy to observe. It is easy to judge others by them. What do you do or not do on Sunday or Saturday? Or what do you eat or not eat? But you can perform all of them without a change of heart, which is what God is after. And Jesus was quite in line with this prophetic tradition when he criticized the religious hypocrites of his day. And also this is uh, why we find similar statements in the New Testament, for instance, in Colossians, where Paul writes in chapter two, verses 16 and 17, 
let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Note that Paul here again mentions festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths in one sweep, in one sentence. That's exactly the pattern we have seen in, in the Bible already. They are on the same level. They are in the same category. And just like Jesus, just like Isaiah, Paul here points to the fact that the Lord wants our hearts, not outward rituals. Uh, he speaks about the substance, and the substance is Christ. So what's the message to us? First of all, we should remember that we too can fall into the trap of emphasizing the external, running into a routine, and drawing away with our hearts. That's a universal danger. And uh, in particular, when it comes to Rosh Chodesh and this prayer movement that has grown out of it, I believe we should be careful when explaining this idea, because to the uninitiated, it might sound like we are going back under the yoke of the law. We are Judaizing, trying to bring some Jewish practices or traditions into the Christian life. Uh, and that is not our intention at all. Uh, in this spirit, uh, it is about the attitude of the heart. So I believe we should emphasize the spiritual meaning of Zikaron, this aspect of repentance, of learning from the past, of crying out for mercy, and uh, of the celebration of the Lord as the creator, uh, the ruler of the world, and the one who is merciful. And it seems to be that the new moon is something which will be here to stay. And uh, the Bible says that even in the new realm, in the new uh, earth and new heaven, there will be a place for a Rosh Chodesh celebration. And this is what the, the last chapter of Isaiah declares from chapter 66, verse 23 says, it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Now, it's really fascinating to me that the Lord has led us uh, into this topic of Rosh Chodesh, of the new moon. Uh, I would say that uh, there was no prayer intention, actually. We just discovered that. And as we started doing these prayers, we found out about this verse from Isaiah 66, that it does have a prophetic significance. And uh, it reminds me of something else, which uh, our forefathers, when they, start, they started the ICJ more than 40 years ago, they also heard from the Holy Spirit something which is um, inspirational and uh, prophetic in nature. The, the very word uh, from Isaiah 40, Nachamu, Nachamu, Amin, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God, which has become the theme word from, for uh, all the ICJ has been doing. It is a prophetic uh, sentence. It has prophetic significance. This is the time of restoration of Israel. This is the time in which we live. And also, when uh, the ICJ started, they started with the celebration of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, something that the church has never done in history, because this is one of the three biggest feasts, but it looks from our perspective forward. We do not look 
back to the great uh, deeds of God, like uh, with Passover and Pentecost, when we know what happened, we just have to look into the future at the great day when uh, the Messiah is coming back. And that's the significance of the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, there is a prophetic passage in Zechariah 14, which says that the time will come again in this messianic age when all nations will go up to Jerusalem to celebrate Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. So we are doing it as, in a way, as a rehearsal to, to get the understanding of the significance of uh, Sukkot. You know, 40 years ago, very few Christians knew about the feast at all. It has never been part of tradition. Now it has become the biggest annual Christian event in Israel. And also during the last two years, uh, during the COVID pandemics, where we were forced to go online, the Feast of Tabernacles was actually, I believe for the first time in history, celebrated by Christians in all time zones, starting from the Cook Islands and the Fiji Island, uh, throughout Asia and Africa and Latin America. People were uh, gathering together, they built their sukkah, and they had a day of celebration or a week of celebration. So this is something that is catching on. Now, uh, it seems that the time has come to also bring the message about the prophetic significance of the new moon, because the day will come when all flesh shall worship the Lord from one Rosh Chodesh to another. And uh, while we are learning to do it, uh, the best way is to pray, to pray for Israel, to pray for our nations. And remember that this is a time of uh, Zikaron. This is a time of drawing attention to wrongdoing. This is a time of remembering a catastrophe. Uh, this is a time of learning from history, time of repentance, but also a time of joy time of rejoicing and drawing near to God and uh, experiencing his mercy. So that is my message to uh, this day, to the significance of uh, Rosh Chodesh. I just wish you a blessing from the Lord as we prepare for the new moon, for the new month. And I would like to invite you to listen to the next uh, session, the next uh, webinar, uh, next Thursday, which will deal exclusively with Rosh Hashanah, the significance of the Rosh Chodesh um, of Tishri, which is the, the mother of all Rosh Chodesh, we can say. That's the day of Zikaron, that's the day of blowing the trumpet and uh, of uh, calling uh, out to God and uh, receiving his mercy. So with that, I would wish you all the best, God's blessing, and see you next time.